0: Thank you for joining us for the True Life Fellowship Church podcast. Here is today's message from Pastor Devon Alexander. Open your Bibles. Habakkuk chapter 2. Meet me at verse 4. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. Thank you so much, Kurt. Thank you so much, Zaven, Sierra, Tiffany, Terrence, Robert back there, Steve. Thank you all so very much. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. Read this with me. It's on the screen. Read it with me. Ready? Read. Behold, the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Let's go to Romans chapter 1, verse 17. Romans chapter 1 and verse 17. Read this out loud with me. It's on the screen. Ready? Read. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Let's go to Galatians chapter 3 and verse 11. Galatians chapter 3, verse 11. Ready, read. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. So in these four verses, we find out that the just shall live by faith. Who shall live by faith? Who shall live by faith? How shall the just live? The just shall live by faith. Now the just are those that have been justified or treated by God just as if they have never sinned before. The just are those that have been declared righteous or in right standing with God, which essentially means you have been accepted by God because of your belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. You believed in your heart, you confess with your mouth, That God raised Jesus from the dead. At that moment, you became justified, declared righteous, and now you are in a condition acceptable to God. He sees you just as if you've never sinned before. This is the grace of God to view you as if you've never sinned before. And the just shall live by faith. So this is not optional. Uh, This is not a suggestion. The just... Are You and I shall live by faith. That simply means we are going to walk by faith. It is mandatory. It is a requirement that the just, you and I, walk by faith. That means we are not going to walk by what we see with our eyes. We're not going to walk by what we hear with our ears necessarily, what we smell with our noses, what we can touch. What we can see, we're not walking that way. If we are justified, that simply means we are going to walk by what we believe God is saying to us. We are going to walk by faith. Now, I wrote some things down here, and I want you to uh, just hear me say this, and I want it to resonate on the inside of you. But faith is belief, trust, confidence, and rest. Faith works by love. Faith comes by hearing. Faith pleases God. Faith walks. Faith talks. Faith overcomes the world. Faith is the foundation of hope. The just shall live by faith. We are saved by faith. We are healed by faith. We access grace by faith. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Faith doesn't doubt God. Faith doesn't fear the devil. Faith doesn't draw back from a fight. Faith doesn't waver at the promise of God, and faith ends only with the desired result. And this is how you and I are supposed to walk. We are to walk by faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, the apostle Paul tells us, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Say that with me. For we walk by faith, not by sight. The opposite of faith is sight. I want you to get this. The opposite of faith is sight. What you see can be the opposite of what you believe you've heard from God. And we're going to have to look internally with our eyes of faith To see what God has said more real than what we see with our natural eyes. What we see with our natural eyes is temporary and subject to change. But what we see by faith is eternal. It's God's word and God's word never changes. Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. If he did it in the past he'll do it in the future, praise God. If he did it for David, he'll do it for you. If he did it for Moses, he'll do it for you. He's the same. And so faith in God is a requirement. It is mandatory that we walk. And how do we walk? Step by step. This is how you walk, step by step. It's not a leap, it's not a jog, it's a walk. One step at a time by faith. I trust God, I trust God, I trust God, I trust God. I trust God. This is how we walk. This is how we should live our life by faith. Now, James chapter 2, verses 17. Turn there. James chapter 2, verses 17. The New King James Version says, Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Faith without works is dead. Now, over the last several months, we've been talking about faith. And how many of you feel like you've grown in this series that we've been talking about faith? Faith by itself is dead. Last week, we talked about quiet confidence. That was the title. You can check it out at truelifefc.org. And we talked about the importance it is to believe God, to simply just believe him, to simply just agree with what his word says and believe it and how everything else is a distraction really from truly believing God. But I want to go a little further today because I like what James chapter two in the true, in the, the passion translation says. James chapter two, verse 17 in the passion translation says, so then faith that doesn't involve action is phony. Faith that doesn't involve action is Phony. And today I want to title the message Phony Faith. Phony Faith. Faith believes God and faith acts on what it believes God has said. Faith alone with no action is not faith in God. It's simply belief. And James chapter 2, verse 19 tells us that even the demons believe, but they don't act on what they believe. They tremble. So it's not enough just to say, I believe God. It's not enough just to talk about faith, but you don't really have faith. It's not enough to say, well, I talk the talk, but not walk the walk. It's not enough to say I believe, but there is no action behind your belief. And we were tested greatly during the COVID season. Everybody individually was greatly tested on what they believe during COVID. Everybody had to find out where am I in my relationship with God? And what do I believe about the word of God? And anytime that your faith is going to mature and develop, it's going to have to be tested. Faith needs testing in order for it to mature and develop and to grow. And it was very interesting during COVID how we all were individually tested in what we believe about God. Now, some people didn't believe certain things about God, and were doing silly stuff. And unfortunately, they said they believed some things, and they really didn't. And unfortunately, they reaped the consequences of their actions. And then there were some people that said, I believe God, but their actions didn't show. I'm reminded in particular, one particular person during our COVID season... Uh, well, before I, before I tell the story, look at James chapter 1, verse 22 real quick. James chapter 1, verses 22. And this week, I want you to read. Read James chapter 1 and James chapter 2. This, it really uh, is it's all about what I'm preaching today. But it says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Notice, we're going to have to do something with what we've heard. Be a doer of the word and not just a listener. Or we'll deceive ourselves. If we don't do what we've heard, if we don't do what God's telling us to do, if we don't act on what we believe God is telling us, then we're going to deceive ourselves. And many people were in deception. I'm thinking about one particular person. He drove to meet me during the COVID season at the church. We met here. It was during the week. He said, Pastor, I will not be coming back to church because COVID's here. Now, understand, he, he jumped in the car. I'll pause there. He jumped in the car, drove to meet me. We met at church, said, I will not be back at church because COVID is here. And this is what he said. He said, I believe God's going to take care of me. I said, well, man, if you believe God's going to take care of you, the doors of the church are open. We're here. We're coming. If you believe God's going to take care of you, why don't you act on that belief? Well, I'm not. Well, I mean, I believe God's going to take care of me, but COVID's here and I just I can't I can't come back. Well, are you still going to work? Yeah, I'm still going to work. They still require me to show up at work. I'm, I'm going to work. Yeah. Yeah. I am I. I got I got to be at work, but I can't come back on Sundays at church because COVID is here. I said, okay, you're still going to work. I said, okay. I said, well, man, listen, everybody's got to do what they need to do. I, I don't control people. I am not a pastor that 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 runs and tries to figure out what you're doing and tell you what to do. I don't do that. You need to do whatever you sense that you need to do. I said, but I want you to just come to grips with you don't believe that you'll be taken care of if you come to church. I can't. No, no, I believe God's going to take care of me. I just can't. I can't come to church. No, you're you're deceived. You're deceived and you think you believe it, but you don't. And then I looked on Facebook and this particular person was went bowling and got and got massages. All during the COVID season. They don't believe God's gonna, you know, I can't come back to church. I believe God's gonna take care of me, but I don't. Finally, I was praying one day. I said, Lord, what is going on with this? This is real confusing to me. He says, very simple, Devon. He doesn't want to come back to church. I was like, Oh, oh, okay. Okay. Makes sense. He doesn't, he doesn't want to go to church anymore. And I'm like, Oh, okay. 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 That makes sense. But I want us to recognize that If you say you believe something, there must be corresponding action to what you say you believe. You're going to have to act. Faith is an act. Anytime you see in Hebrews chapter 11, which is the great faith chapter, by faith, these people did things. They acted on what they believed they heard from God because faith is an act. And so many of us have the believing part down. And to me, that's the easiest part. I believe, that's the easiest part. The hardest part is, are you going to act on what you believe that you've heard from God? Faith is an act. Say that, faith is an act. act. Say it again, faith is an act. act. One more time, Faith faith is an act. Faith requires corresponding action. I am going to do what I believe God is saying to me. God will begin to listen listen to my terminology here. God will begin to test you. Not with sickness and disease, not with cancer and AIDS or anything like that. God will begin to test you. And these are tests of obedience. You say you believe me. Now, will you act on what you say you believe? You say you trust me. Will you take a step and act on what you say that you believe? I remember when, uh, and I'm going to tell a couple of stories today because I want you to see some things. I I feel like I've made three major decisions in my life, not Excluding, salvation is a major decision, okay? Please don't misunderstand. I'm not going to talk about that. That was a major decision. Receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, major decision in my life. These things are major, but I'm not going to include them in this story. But one of the first decisions I felt like was major was when I moved from Fort Worth, Texas to Charlotte, North Carolina. 2004, single, single. I, I had a good job there, just got fired from the job, by the way. I didn't do anything wrong, so don't, don't look at me crazy. I, they wrongly fired me, but it was all part of the plan of God. For, seriously, I, I look at back now and I see it. And I, I had an opportunity. At the time, I was a youth pastor, and there was a church that wanted to hire me in Texas. I lived in Texas, and it was in Amarillo and they wanted to hire me to be their youth chap. They had the youth pastor. They had everything set up. I mean they had hundreds of youth. They had uh, they had facilities. I mean I could walk in that thing and just do a tremendous job as a youth pastor. I knew I could. I had a dream. And in the dream, they hired a woman to be the youth pastor and the and the youth ministry took off. And I was really excited for that youth ministry. They didn't hire me, they hired a female. I called the pastor. I said, "Pastor, You're not supposed to hire me. I had a dream; it was the most vivid dream I've ever had. And you hired a female, and she took the youth ministry to the next level. And I'm going to rescind my name. I'm I'm no longer a candidate. He goes, that's interesting because early this week we got an application from a female, and I wasn't going to explore it because we we were going to hire you. But since you were drawing your name, I'm gonna I'm going to explore it. He ended up hiring her down the road. That Lord led me through a dream. God can lead you through dreams. And so I knew that wasn't it. I wasn't supposed to do that. I didn't know exactly what I was supposed to do, except I felt like I needed to leave Fort Worth. Uh, My parents lived in Fort Worth. All my friends lived in Fort Worth. I had great relationships in Fort Worth. But I just felt in my heart that I was supposed to leave Fort Worth. Now, I've been chewing on the word of God. I've been meditating on the word of God. I've been diving into his word, I had gotten to a level that I began to trust God. And I began to rely and depend on him. And if he said he's going to do it, he's going to do it. I begin to trust. And so as I am trying to determine what's my next step, I, I spent some time praying over it. Lord, what do you want me to do Next. And I remember I was going, I used, I like to hear God in the car. It's just me. Uh, I like to get in my car. I, sometimes I'll have no music on. Maybe I have some preaching on. I listen to a lot of preaching when I'm in the car. And I just like to just hear from the Lord sometimes. And I went and parked my car in an empty lot. Or I thought it was empty. It was only a couple of buildings, but I thought they weren't open yet. And I sat there for four hours, Reggie, right? just sat there in that lot, just praying trying to figure out what's next. And I saw people start coming up in the lot and lo-, lo and behold, I looked out the window and I was parked in front of a liquor store. I, ha- I had no idea I was in front of a liquor store. And as the hours went on, people were coming to get their spirits. <laughs> and I didn't realize that. I'm like, oh my gosh. So I ended up moving my car or whatever. And in my heart, I sensed that if I stayed in Fort Worth that I would marry this particular girl. There was a girl that that, you know, I was seeing at the time, I would probably marry her and I would probably go and uh, live on this side of town and go to this church. And this is probably be my life. And I knew a pastor here in Charlotte and I knew him well. And when I thought about Charlotte, he and I were talking when I thought about Charlotte, all I sensed in my heart was just a bright light, just bright light. But if I thought about staying in Fort Worth, I, this is going to be your life. You're going to marry this girl. You're going to live here. You're going to do this. It sounded fun, but it didn't sound like bright light. And in my heart, I knew the Lord was leading me to move to Charlotte. So here I am. Lord, Father, I trust you. I trust you. I'm going to act on what I believe I'm sensing in my heart. Now, notice in this particular situation, I didn't hear God say go to Charlotte. I sensed a green light in my spirit. The primary way we hear from God is in our spirit, in our gut. It's an intuition. It's a, it's a knowing. That's the primary way the Lord leads us. You'll, you'll, you'll sense it right here. Not here. You'll sense it here in your gut. This is right or this is wrong. And I knew it was right. And so I said, Lord, I'll trust you. I'm going to move to Charlotte. Well, I want to give you a little backstory on that. The Lord spoke to me, and at the time, I told you I was single. Creflo Dollar was having a singles conference. I said, I'm going to Creflo Dollar singles conference, you know? And so I was in Fort Worth. He's in Atlanta. And I, I sensed the Lord telling me to go by myself. Go by yourself. I went by myself. I still can't believe I did that. Because at the time, you know, I was hanging with my boys, you know, I was hanging with my crew, and I, and I knew I wasn't supposed to invite them. I was supposed to go by myself. I went to Creflo's, uh, Pastor Dollar's, uh, minister, I'm sorry, singles conference, had a great time. All the ladies wanted me, but thank God, none of them got me, praise God. Hallelujah. I was running away as fast as I could. Hallelujah. Now, the truth is always spoken up here, okay? So, just you know, And so, I... I, I didn't connect, and I thought, well, why was I really supposed to go? You know, I thought I was going to connect with somebody, never did, and came back home. Found out later, just spending time with God—that was that was a, a test. God saying, will you go to Atlanta by yourself and come back? I did. Then I started hearing, go to the movies by yourself. Who goes to the movies by themselves? Well, I I I, I started to. I can do it now. I then then I couldn't. It was like, I got to have my friends. The Lord was starting to lead me to go do things by myself because ultimately move to Charlotte by yourself. I moved out here alone by myself. No promise of a job. No promise of a place to live. I had to get an apartment. I still don't know how I got this apartment because I had no income. But (laughs) by God's grace, I got the apartment. Still don't know how, praise God, but I did Finally got a job and, you know, the rest is history. Um, I believe God would take care of me. So my faith is not phony. I acted. I went to Charlotte because I trusted that God would take care of me. I meet Stacy Crothers when I get to Charlotte at a church. We became great friends. Many of you know our story. She made me a sweet potato pie. And that was her way of saying, hello. <laughs> and uh, I said, oh, hello. I'm not a big sweet potato pie fan um, a person, but I ate the whole pie in one setting. Wow. Devoured the pie on watching football on a Sunday afternoon. She gave it to me Sunday after church. I ate it that afternoon. I thought, whoa, this was a really good pie. Now, she told me this after we got engaged, but she had prayed if I was the one let him eat the whole pie. So I told her I ate the whole pie. She was like, he's the one. Notice she didn't tell me that until after we were engaged. If she told me that you know, a lot sooner, I probably, probably would have scared me. But nevertheless, I, I, we were friends. I enjoyed spending time with her. We got along very well. We laughed a lot. We had a lot of fun. I noticed that where I was weak, she was strong. I, I had an appendectomy during our dating time, and I wake up after emergency surgery, and there she was. And I thought, "Wow, this woman loves me." You know, she's consistent and reliable. And there she is. I knew I had a good woman. I never heard the Lord tell me to marry Stacy. Never heard a word from the Lord to do that. But I believed and trusted that God held my future. In his hand, and so I stepped out. I believed that I was in love with Stacy, and I believed that she loved me too. And I stepped out on faith, and I proposed to her. And we were engaged for it. We got we got engaged on my birthday in September, and we got married that next May. Matter of fact, I think this is funny. So we got engaged on my birthday, and the next day she came over to my house, and I thought, you know, we just kind of hang out. She had wedding magazines the very next day. I said, wait a minute. She said, what are we waiting on? We got to get married. I thought, well, I thought we're going to, you know, be engaged for it. No, you're only engaged to get married. I said, okay, okay, okay. And she probably, we probably got married in September if we didn't have to plan a wedding, praise the Lord. And so acted, acted on what I believed. Oh, I believe God. I believe God. Are you acting? God's going to take care of me. I believe he's going to take care of me. What are you doing that is proof that identifies that your faith is real and not phony? Oh, I just believe that God's going to he's going to just watch over me. Listen, I believe God's going to watch over me, too. And guess what? I lock my doors at night and I believe gonna watch over me. And guess what? There are times we forget to lock our doors at night. And I believe God's going to watch over me. Amen. Amen. I believe he's going to take care of me. I trust him. I know that wherever he tells me to go, I'll go. Whatever he tells me to do, I'll do. I sense the Lord saying in, in my heart, I, I mentioned COVID earlier, but I was supposed to go to Texas right in the middle of COVID. And I believe God was going to take care of me. I really did. Except I heard the Lord tell me not to go. So what am going to do? Do I listen to the Lord? Or do I just say, I believe God's going to take care of me? You listen to the Lord. The Lord said, don't go. I didn't go. Didn't even think twice about it. I just didn't go. I listened to the Lord. But if you have a green light on the inside of you or the Lord's telling you to do something, you can trust that he'll take care of you. Got a job at Panera when I first moved here. Making $8.50 an hour. 27 years old, had an apartment. And Danica to this day, I do not know how the bills were getting paid. I literally cannot tell you. The calculator was crunching these numbers and it wasn't working out, but the bills were getting paid. I honored God with the tithe. 850 wasn't enough. And somehow, way, the bills were getting paid. Now, I didn't have Wi-Fi. I went down to the local restaurant. And use their Wi-Fi. I did buy soda, so I did contribute. Praise the Lord. Didn't have cable, you know. I, I didn't do all these things. I didn't overextend myself, but God was taking care of me. And eventually, I got hired at Wycovia Bank, and an entry-level job, twenty-eight thousand dollars a year. That was that was that was exciting because I was making eight dollars and fifty cent. Twenty-eight thousand. I got Wi-Fi, Paul. That was the first thing I did. <laughs> I signed up for it I was so happy And we were thrilled And then they were offering overtime Well, man, I had just worked this, you know, nickel and dime job I'm getting overtime, praise God Then they started something called Lunch on the Phones I mean, I worked in a, a, a call center And they would they would buy your lunch If you just worked through lunch on the phone what the? <laughs> I don't have to spend any money to eat You're going to pay me to to work, what? And people were complaining about this. I'd never complained about that. And they, they bought what you wanted. They didn't buy what they wanted you to have. Here, we're going to this restaurant, get whatever you want. Well, that's what I want. I want that. And you're going to pay. Well, I did that. I did. And extra money was coming in, overtime coming. Then I got promoted. Uh, you guys know my story, but I, I'll tell it again. If you hadn't heard, I went for a job that was going to double my income. I sensed that I was supposed to go for it, and uh, they didn't hire me. They didn't hire me initially. I said, okay, well, I'm going to keep doing what I'm supposed to do in this particular job. I get a call two days later. They say, hey, we, we really want to hire you. You know, we should have hired you the first time. Would you be interested? I said, I would be, but why didn't y'all hire me the first time? They said, well, we hired this other girl, but we, another spot opened, and we think... You'll be fine with that, too. I said, whoever that girl is you hired, I will be better than her because it was a sales job. Mark my words, I will I will blow her out of the water. You should have hired me first. And they said, okay. A year later, I still talk to my manager, too. David, his name is David. I still talk to David to this day. And he, he reminds me, i never forget when you look me in the face and you put your finger in my face and said, I will be better <laughs> than her and you should have hired me the first time. And so, to this day, we did. I outperformed her and then I got... Promote it again, this time doubling my salary. So from 28000 to $50,000, 56000 it doubled, the next position doubled to over $100,000, praise God. In a four-year period of time, no, three-year period of time, my my salary, what is that, tripled? Quadrupled, quadrupled in that period of time. Three-year period of time. Trust in God, doing what God's telling me to do. Trust in God. Then the Lord says to me, I want you to step out and start a church. I make six figures, God. What are you talking about? Preachers are broke and they could barely make it. And starting a church—I mean, most churches, eight out of ten churches fail in the first year, and most don't even make it to year five. I mean, that's how crazy. It is in starting a church. We started with nothing. The gathers were here with us. No, nothing at all. Nothing, nothing at all. But we trusted God. God said, step away. I went to Stacy, I said, the Lord is telling me to step away from my job. Now can you imagine going to your spouse and saying, God's saying step away from a six-figure job and start a church? I thought Stacy was gonna pitch a fit. I think I was expecting her to pitch a fit. I wanted her to pitch a fit so I could stay on that job, okay? God, Stacey's not for it, man. We just just can't do it. No, no. Um, She said, we need to do this. I said, we do need to do this. I believe God's gonna take care of us and there's gonna have to be corresponding action. I'm gonna have to step out and walk by faith and not by sight. Some friends told me, don't do that, don't leave, do both. Man, doing both sounded great to me. I need to say this. I'm not asking you to do what I'm doing. I'm just showing you what God can do in your life. You need to do what God's telling you to do. And so for me, he told me to step out. I heard a word. Remember I told you when I moved to Charlotte, I didn't hear the Lord say that. I just sensed it in my heart. When I married Stacy, I didn't hear the Lord say that. But this time I heard the Lord say, step away resign from that job and I need you to trust me to go full time into the ministry. Well, I went to her and I said this is what I, I put it before you and uh, you know and just get your thoughts on it. And she said, "I think we should do this as long as I can still get my hair done." <laughs> I said, "We will make a way. We will find a way to get your hair done. We will we will make it happen." Well, we stepped out and we trusted God. Now, before that, the church that we were going through, going to had um, some issues in some things. They were behind in some sort of finances. They had started a school and the school's behind and they needed to catch up. They had a, a big deficit. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, give your entire check to that, your entire paycheck. Now, I'm challenging you here today. He said, give your entire paycheck to that cause. I mean, I said, you mean the one that's going to hit my account on Friday? And he said, that one right there, all of it. I said, I'm not going to talk to Stacy about this one. I'm just going to do it. Praise God. No, I mentioned to her, I said, babe, I didn't, I, this one, I didn't ask her. I'd say, this is what we're doing. Babe, I'm giving, we're giving, we're giving our entire check. What do you mean you didn't ask her? I needed to lead my family in this. I said, babe, we're doing it. And she was like, okay, I trust you. All right. Whatever it was, that amount. Now, remember, I was making good money now. That was a big check. Wrote that check out, and I, I gave it, I gave it to the Lord. We didn't miss a beat. God took care of us. But what I didn't know until later was that was a test to see if I would leave my job to do what he asked me to do. See, I had to to get my paycheck first. And now he's going to ask me to leave my job and trust him and do what God is telling me to do. And so I took a step of faith and we stepped out and we began to start and God began to rally people. People begin to say I want to be a part of what you're doing. And I want to I want to sow and I want to partner and I want to be a part. And slowly but steadily people start coming and look what the Lord's done. You're here today and people are online and and Paul was telling me 100 750 people watched our one of our latest videos, praise God. Things are growing because God is faithful. And it's one thing to say you have faith. It's another thing to show you have faith. Even in James chapter 2, he says, show me your faith. How do we show God our faith? How do we prove to ourselves that we're trusting and believing God when we are stepping out of our comfort zone and doing what God has told us to do? What has entangled you? What has suffocated you? What is causing you to be uh, restricted? What is limiting you? Anytime God asks you to do something, it's going to cause you to step out of what makes you feel comfortable. Step out of what's limiting you. Step out of what's restricting you and literally causing you to do some things That you never thought you could do. When you step out, you will learn more things about yourself that you didn't know. When you do what God's telling you to do, you're going to learn some things about yourself. We learned things about ourselves when we did these things. We learned that we're we're a little we're a little more resilient than we are, and we, we've got more stamina, we've got some more patience than we thought we had. And and you know, we we know that God can do this. I mean, he proved it to us, and most people don't know that God will take care of them because they have not trusted God and completely depended upon Him to do what He's asking you to do, or even what you're sensing on the inside. God wants you to completely depend on him, not your bank account, not your rich grandparents, not your spouse, to completely and utterly depend on him. And if he doesn't come through, then it just can't be done. This is where how we're supposed to live. This is This is how we're supposed to live. I remember when we got this building and we were only going to get one side of this building. That one side. And this side, had a there was a big old wall that came between this facility that we're in now. We were only going to get one side of it. And the one side of it at the time, I don't remember, $1,800 or something for it. And we were like, we can. Now, that was still, the one side was still, no, that was about what we were renting at the school. I said, oh, we can do that. We can do that. And God says, I want you to do something that you can't do. I want you to get both sides. Well, that's doubling the rent, Lord. I mean, now it's like thirty six hundred. We 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 only paying about fourteen hundred at the little school. Now you want us to pay thirty six hundred? He said, "Get both sides." And I said, "I don't know how we're going to do this." He said, "This is where I want you. Do you trust me? Do you believe in me? Do you rather, you say you believe me? You get up and preach. God can get anything to you from anyone, anywhere, ha <laughs> ha, at any time." You preach it, but do you trust me? Somebody say, I trust God. I trust God. And so I said, okay, Lord, I got to hear from you. Because Stacey had already told me, we got to get both sides. We got to get both. What are you waiting on? We got to get both sides. We got to get both. If we just get that one side, we're going to shrivel up and die on that one side. We got to get both sides. We got to open up the whole building. We need both sides. We got to get both. I'm like, babe, I got to hear from the Lord. She said, well, I'm the Holy Spirit telling me to tell you we got to get both sides. And so August 11th, 2.45 in the morning, I'm up praying. And the Lord says, get both sides. So now I got a word from God. This is what I really heard. Tear down the wall. That's what I heard. Tear down the wall because it was a wall. I said, we got to get both sides. I called up. Uh, a, a guy and I said come in here and he grabbed a team of people and they, they tore down the wall. I wasn't even here and they tore down all that good stuff. And uh, we got both sides. And you know how many payments we have missed in all those years? Zero. The The rent more than quadrupled and we've missed zero. God's grace taking care of us. What are you afraid of? What are you scared of? if you sense the Lord leading you to do it, why do you have fear? Why do you doubt? Matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 14, don't turn there. I'll tell you the story. Read it on your own. It's between verses 22 and 33. Jesus tells his disciples to get out on the boat and go to the land and meet me there. I'll meet y'all there. So they get out in the boat and they're rowing and they're out in the middle of the water and between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. in the morning. They're out there on the boat and Jesus is walking on the water. And he walks right up to them in this encounter. And they say, oh, it's a ghost. Ah. I would have screamed to the top of my lungs if I would saw that. I'm just letting y'all know that would have freaked me out. This man's walking on the water. Jesus walks up to him. He says, he says, listen, don't be afraid. It's me. And Peter has the audacity, the boldness to say, if it is you, bid me to come to you on the water. Now, why couldn't he say, if it's you, what is my birthday? If it's you... What's my last name? Why couldn't he say something like that? If it's you, Lord, where do I live? Give me my address. He says, if it's you, then command me to do something impossible. If it's you. What's Jesus going to say? Well, it's not me. That's, that's out of my realm of possibility for you, Peter. It's not me. Now, Peter could have stayed in the boat and been comfortable with the other disciples. Peter could have sat there and not disrupted <laughs> all of what was going on there. But he didn't want to stay comfortable. How many are just tired of just being comfortable? I'm just comfortable. Yeah, I know I'm going to eat. I I know we're going to wake up. And every day seems to be the same thing because I do the same thing. And every day is just the same. And I'm just comfortable. I have no drive. I have no passion. I I don't have any vision. I'm just, I'm comfortable. I'm stuck. Peter said, I don't want I don't want to be stuck anymore. I don't want to be comfortable anymore. I want to get out my comfort zone. I want to see you do something miraculous. I want to see you do something impossible. If it's you, command me to come. Jesus says one word. What did he say? Come. 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 And so Peter got out of the boat, got out of his comfort zone, got out of the place where he felt stuck, moved away from his comrades and his friends, and he walked C-O-M-E, C-O-M-E. He began to walk by faith, come. He walked on the words, come. He walked on the water. Nobody else has ever done that before. But what he really walked on was the word come. That's what he was walking on. Jesus said, come. And he said, okay. And he's walking on God's word. And he's acting on what he's believed he's heard from God. And he's coming. And it wasn't until he got really close to Jesus that he began to take his eyes off Jesus, begin to get distracted, look at the stock market, Oh, interest rates are really high. Oh my gosh, how prices of prices of homes are high and wages are low and the gallon of gas is going up. And he started looking around and he started to fear. And he began to sink because he took his eyes off of come and off of Jesus and got it on everything else and he began to sink. And scripture says. That when you begin to sink, does the, the Scripture say this? Tell me if Scripture says this. He began to sink, that Jesus looked at him, and he drowned to death. Is that what the Scriptures say? And he just, I mean, and that was the end of Peter? He <laughs> suffocated and drowned under that water. No, Scriptures say that when even when he was unfaithful and he took his eyes off Jesus, Jesus reached down and grabbed him. I want you to notice this. Look how close he was to Jesus. He didn't say that Jesus ran over to him and grabbed him. He was so close that all Jesus had to do was reach his hand out, grab him, and pull him back up. And you know they both walked back to the boat. The miracle of just trusting God, acting on what you believe you have heard from God, taking a step of faith. I am taking a step. Now, I want to wrap this message up and say this to you. There are no instances in the New Testament where God is leading you to do something and he's not telling you what to do. This is where foolishness comes. We've had people come, the Lord's telling me to do something, I just don't know what it is. So what I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna I'm just going to go south because I don't know what the, that's that. There's no examples of that in the New Testament. God will begin to lead you in a direction. That direction may be a certain area and you don't have all the understanding of everything. Because faith doesn't you, you don't have to have understanding when you're operating by faith. You know that right? Faith supersedes understanding. He may lead you in a direction And you don't have all of the understanding. He may tell you to do something and you don't have all of the clarity that it takes. But he's not going to tell you, I'm going to put my two week notice in. Pastor left his job. I'm putting my notice in. and I have no idea what I'm doing after that. That is not what the Lord's going to do. I knew when I put my notice in that I was going to start a ministry. Amen. I knew what was next. I didn't know how, but I knew that that was the next step. He's not going to lead you into doing something into the abyss of unknownness. When they <laughs> I love when when Jesus told the disciples where the donkey was. You remember, he told him exactly, go up here, turn left, up, go upstairs, you'll find a man, and he's going to have a, and there's going to be a donkey tied up. I mean, that was very specifics. And too often, people get silly with a message like this, and they'll begin to leave their churches, they'll leave their jobs, they'll leave their spouses. Oh, the Lord, I need to step out on faith. Baby, I'm out, I'm out, I'm stepping out. No, 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 no. God's going to lead you and it's going to be congruent with His Word. This is how you experience true life. You have been listening to the ministry of Devon Alexander, pastor of True Life Fellowship Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more information, go to our website at www.truelifefc.org. You can also support this ministry financially through our website. Thank you and remember to love, learn, live and lead.